marching on. So, uh, my fellow travelers, as we go marching down the King's Road, are y'all ready to hear a word from the Lord? Amen, amen. So today, uh, those of you who have your Bibles, I pray that you all do. And if you don't, just let me know. Uh, we will get one in your hand. Let's all turn to the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel. And uh, we're going to look at the third chapter. We're going to talk about those uh, three Hebrew boys that they call uh, Radshak, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed Negro. Y'all pick up on that one. <laughs> Abednego, anyway. Um, and so last week I was telling you guys that we were going to uh, talk a little bit about uh, resistance uh, this week. And so uh, just for subject's sake, uh, we're going to talk about soldiers of faith, active resistance. Soldiers of faith. And that's what we all should endeavor to be is soldiers of faith. You know, we are soldiers on the battlefield, and um, our most, uh, uh, one of our most, one of our most effective uh, uh, tools is our faith. And so I'm not going to read uh, the entire uh, chapter to you guys, uh, even though uh, we're pretty much encompassing the entire chapter. I'm going to read uh, just some key uh, points from you guys. So uh, today's uh, uh, scripture is Daniel chapter 3. And so I'm going to read some key uh, sections out of the chapter, and then we're going to have a little bit of discourse about it. Amen? All right, so uh, you guys can stay seated because we're gonna, I'm going to kind of skip around, all right? Uh, first thing we should notice is verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, and of course, uh, as usual, I'm reading out of the uh, Christian Standard Bible, the CSB Bible. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet high, 90 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon, right? And so then we go down to uh, verse 4, a herald, a herald uh, verse 4, a herald loudly proclaimed, people of every nation and language, you are commanded when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, you are to fall face down, worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Uh, verse 8. Some Chaldeans took the occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. They were sucking up. Verse 10, you, you as king have issued a decree that everyone who hears all those musical instruments and so forth, going down verse 11, whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the furnace. Okay, here's some key parts right here. Look at verse 12. There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you. The king, they do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. And then we're going to skip down to 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, 
we do not need to give you an answer to this question. We can't ask them why they weren't doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, the God we serve exists. Then he can, uh, and he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. All right, we're gonna stop right there as far as the scriptures go. I encourage you all to read um, the entire uh, story. Uh, uh, well, I encourage you all to read your Bible <laughs> first, but uh, read um, uh, this uh, particular uh, account of, uh, uh, of uh, the three Hebrew boys, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And um, the encouragement. So what happened, and I'll give you a little brief, uh, the king set up the statue. Some jealous people said, hey, they ain't doing what they supposed to be doing, worshiping the statue. The king said, listen, uh, why y'all ain't worshiping the statue? Uh, I'm going to give y'all another chance. Go worship the statue. They was like, uh, no, nah, we ain't going to do that. You know, our God lives. He's real. You know what I'm saying? And that's the only God we're going to worship because that's what uh, how it's supposed to be. God said we ain't supposed to have no other uh, gods before him, right? So we ain't worshiping your statue. And this really upset King Nebuchadnezzar. And he was like, what? Uh, okay, guess what? Listen, hey, soldiers, go heat up the furnace like seven times like what it normally be. I want this furnace like blazing hot. And then take these little insolent boys and throw them in the furnace and burn them alive. Right? And, you know, God sends uh, his angel, Jesus, uh, to rescue them. They go in the furnace, they come out, you know what I'm saying, like they had never been in the furnace. They didn't even smell like smoke, not even a singe they hear uh, got singe or anything. It was like beautiful, right? So they resisted uh, what the king had commanded. And that's what we're going to talk about, resistance. So you guys probably have all heard of um, the old saying that fortune favors the bold, right? Like fate, fortune favors the bold. In other words, what that's saying is saying that like, look, there's rewards if you're bold and you know what I'm saying, like risky, you know, have courage and you go out, you step out and you like kind of do some bold things, you know, you'll be rewarded for, for it. Fortune favors the bold. But as Christians, we ought to not live by that type of motto, but live by a different type of motto, which would say, God favors the faithful. God favors the faithful. And that's what we see in uh, this particular account with the three Hebrew boys. God shows favor to their faithfulness towards him. God, they said, listen, we don't care what you're going to do to us. We're not bowing down to this statue. All right. If we uh, are able to live a life, if we are to uh, if we are to live a life that pleases God, right? If we're if we're to walk this Christian walk in a way that pleases God, we must develop and strengthen our faith. 
and have that type of faith that we see with these three Hebrew boys. We have to have active uh, resistance um, in what we do when it comes to the world. And we're going to look at some other scriptures in the New Testament and just to kind of prime you guys for that, um, you can go to the book of James chapter 4 and you know just kind of hold your finger there and we'll get to it later right so in developing and strengthening our faith we must develop and learn how to have active resistance because this is a major part of having strong faith this is a, and this is what we see the three Hebrew Hebrew boys or Hebrew men doing they're actively resisting what the king has done and so let's put this in today's uh, terms right because we don't have a king commanding us to do things right there's a whole legal process that has to go by you know uh, various different stages to pass a law and nobody can really force you to do anything we don't live in this type of age right we don't deal with this type of uh, thing where the king says hey you know what I'm gonna build a statue y'all worship it right that's not our life today however we still face the same types of pressures from the world to do things that everybody else is doing and so if you notice in this story that <laughs> if you notice in this story that these are the only three uh, people that got picked out and that's a whole nother sermon on why that happened but everybody else is bowing down everybody else is doing what the king has commanded they're like okay well you know it's just another God because, you know, they worship many different gods. You know, it's just another God. I'm going to go ahead, just bow down, worship the God, get on about my day, right? And the, the Hebrew boys could have did that, but we ain't going to get into that either. Um, and so they could have just, like, went along with the rest of the crowd and just like, hey, okay, let's just pretend like we worship in it and so forth, right? But they didn't do that. Today, we have a lot of pressures you know, on our lives, to do certain things that we see the world doing, to dress a certain way, to talk a certain way, to use certain um, uh, uh, popular sayings, you know, I'm here for that. Are y'all here for that? <laughs> I, that was a new one to me. I'm like, what? Here for what? What are you talking about, right? Anyway, so to speak a certain way, dress a certain way, look a certain way, behave a certain way, conform to how everybody else is behaving and the problem with that is that sometimes that conformity and a lot of times that conformity doesn't line up with the way that God would have us to behave it doesn't uh, equal out for uh, a life that is pleasing towards God and so we find even ourselves in that same situation where either we bow down to these certain idols or we can face well nowadays a council culture like we just gonna you know write you off and everybody gonna turn their back on you and nobody's just gonna like you don't exist we just counsel you you can't counsel a person it doesn't work like that these three Hebrew men didn't know nor did they have any expectations that God was going to save them when they told the king that, hey, we're not going to bow down to your, your, your puny gods, 
They didn't, you know, know that God was going to save them. They didn't even know what they was actually risking. They didn't know that, hey, you know what? Uh, if we, you know, upset the king, he's going to try and burn us alive. All they knew was that that is not right. That would not please God. I'm not going to do it. And sometimes, and for us, that has to be enough to know that, you know what? This doesn't please my God. I'm not going to do it. They didn't have any expectations of God. If you, if you remember what they said, they said, look, they said, um, they said, but even if he does not rescue us, we want you as the king to know, we want you as the world, as all these, you know, uh, pressures on life to conform. We want you to know that, you know what, we're not going to conform. We're going to resist whatever it is you're trying to get us to do that's not like God. How, will, how, how, how ready and willing are we to resist? On a day-to-day -day basis, we come up with, uh, come face to face with so many different uh, uh, pressures and challenges to conform to the world, be like the rest of the world, do everything that the rest of the world is doing. You know, just like get in line and follow along. It's easy. It's so easy to just conform. Then we don't have to worry about, you know, people looking at us sideways, talking and whispering behind our backs, you know what I'm saying, actively trying to counsel us, you know, trying to get us fired or, you know what I'm saying, evicted or, you know, whatever the situation may be. It's, you know, life is so much simpler and easier if we just go along, right? We just like, yeah, just do what everybody else is doing, and it's easy. But that ought not to be the way. The, pro the thing is, when you stand up for God, you stand above all of those who are bowing down to the tune of the world. And that makes us easily identifiable when we don't bow down. Because everybody else, you know, they all down here, and like, yes, yes, world, yes, world. And we stand up tall and like, What's wrong with these folks? Like, no, that ain't right. So it marks us. It's like, hold on. Y'all see them up there? They're not bowing down. So we become, you know what I'm saying, easily identifiable when we resist. And that's a good thing. We want to be easily identifiable. So that way, as God looks down at the world and he sees everybody else bow down and he sees us standing up strong, he's like, oh, that go my children. <laughs> They're not bowing down. They're not submitting to the world. They're actively resisting the foolishness. And I got to be honest with you, resistance most often will, relieve, will lead to some painful experiences. But we've never been promised the easy road. We've never been promised that, you know, it's, it's all going to be, you know, uh, sunshine and cakes and ice cream and, you know, all this. No, we know that we have to suffer for Christ. The thing is that at the end, we have a guarantee of victory. The rest of the world doesn't have this guarantee. The rest of the world doesn't know what the end looks like for them. They're still guessing and trying to figure out, like, ah, am I going to heaven? Am I going to hell? Is there heaven or hell? Does it exist? You know, they don't know. We know 
we have a, a guarantee of victory. We know what the end looks like. It's either heaven or hell. And we know that if we're obedient and we actively resist the world, that at the end, we win. So we must always be ready to resist. Always ready to say whether God is going to deliver me from this or not. For God, I live. And for God, my flesh dies. We can't live a life trying to please our flesh because our flesh is only temporary. It gets old, it gets wrinkled and corrupted, and then it's no longer just like uh, what it used to be. Like, I'm in my 40s. I can't do a lot of the things I was able to do when I was like my son age in my 20s or 15. You know, I can't, you know, run these marathons like I used to. I got a lot of weight in front of me these days. You know, <laughs> but I used to be able to do those things. But And if I continued to like live my life for those things, it would not profit me because I'm slowly fading away. We all are slowly fading away. Some of us fade a lot quicker than others, but we all are only here for a temporary time. But we make eternal decisions every single day. We make eternal decisions about heaven or hell every single day while we live for the flesh. So let's go ahead and, and um, I, I was telling you guys, go ahead and turn to the book of James and Let's look at uh, some things that James, and this is, uh, this is actually, we're studying this in our Bible study with Mother. <laughs> we're studying the book of James. And um, what I want to do is look at uh, chapter 4. And I'm going to read a couple of uh, verses out of this. James is an awesome book, very short book, only five chapters. Only five chapters. It's a good book to study. Like, not just read, but actually study. Take your time in it. But anyway, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, it says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Let me stop right there. Friendship with the world is hostility towards God. Matt, uh, Jesus said it this way. You can't serve both God and mammon. In other words, you can't live for the world and live for God. You gotta make a choice. You gotta have a made up mind which side of the line you're gonna be on. Either you're gonna be on the world side and you're gonna live for the world, you're gonna live for, you know, what's the next big thing that's only gonna last for, you know, six months. I found out something interesting. All Apple products are uh, designed to be obsolete within the next, within seven years. Like, really? Seven years? That's all I get? You know, that's not a long time. They, 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 there's a thing that um, uh, Ford, the uh, inventor of the, the, the car, Ford, uh, the very first vehicle he actually made worked so well and was so well put together that people uh, weren't coming back to buy other vehicles, right? They had figured out that you know the car just keeps going so he came up with the term uh, planned uh, planned obsolescence 
I might be pronouncing that wrong, but anyways, anyway, they design vehicles, they design, they design pretty much everything to become obsolete nowadays because of what Ford did. He was like, we're going to make a couple of parts just not quite as sturdy, you know what I'm saying, as they ought to be. And so then that way they kind of, you know, uh, the vehicle isn't good forever and you have to come buy another one, you know. And that's the way the world is. They design stuff to just be obsolete in a couple of years. And we live for these things. We chase after them. We chase after the new 2022 that's coming out. We chase after the new I-14, I-15, I-20 that's coming out, but it's not gonna last. And we make decisions around those things that we'll, we're willing to make certain compromises in our life. We're willing to make certain moral compromises. We're willing to uh, compromise our integrity. We're willing to compromise our relationship with God even to obtain the temporary and for me that doesn't make a lot of sense and so James says that friendship with the world you know trying to you know like buddy up and like conform and be good with the world and living with the the way the world lives and you know going along to get along he says that's hostility towards God that doesn't line up with the way God would have us to be so whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes the enemy of God in verse um, in the same chapter James 4 and verse 6 he says but he gives greater grace Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So even God is active in his resistance. He resists those of us who are all puffed up, proud, uh, uh, bragging and, 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 you know, going about and going on about, you know, I got this and I'm doing that. And, you know, what I'm saying I got my swag. I don't know if y'all still use the word swag or whatever, but, you know, I got swag and, you know, uh, I'm chasing the bands and all this and that. God, like, look, I resist all of that. He's looking for humble children. And last, uh, last uh, two here, verse seven. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Let's stop right there at seven. Submit to God, resist the devil. This is active resistance because the devil is constantly, and we're gonna look at this, he's constantly always, you know, trying to tempt us with something. He's constantly always trying to get us off path, to get us off of the king's road. And take the broad and you know easy way go this way but that only leads to hellfire and destruction and doom go this way could you imagine what it would be like if God rescued everybody that was faithful to him you know so as long as like hey you know I'm good and I'm obedient to God God's like all right you're in trouble I'll rescue you I'll rescue you I'll rescue you you know what, what, what that would do? That would not actually be a good thing. Because then we wouldn't need faith. We would, we would live a life without faith. And there would be lines of selfish and corrupt people looking to sign up. The pews would be overflowing with the faithless. 
we need God, you know, uh, to look out for us, but he cannot, you know, just pull us out of every situation. We got to go through some things because it strengthens our faith. It strengthens our faith in God. So when you're suffering through a situation, don't always just be like, oh, my God ain't saved me from this. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn my back because, you know, this last situation was just too hard. God, like, for real? Come on, have some faith. He's trying to strengthen our faith, you know? And I don't know about y'all, but I don't want insurance. I love my assurance. And I'd rather have assurance than insurance. Many of us are called, but few are chosen. For the few of us that travel the king's road, we've been placed, we've, we have placed a greater value on the eternal reward that we receive for our faithfulness than the temporary pleasures we get living day by day. Let me say that again. I'm trying not to stutter it so much. Those of us, those few of us that have been chosen, all right? So we're called the elect. God, you know, he calls the whole world. Look, come on in, be saved. A lot of us just don't answer that call, unfortunately. Those of you, those of us who have answered that call, we're called the chosen. And when we answer that call, what we're saying is we're going to place a greater value in our eternal reward you know heaven the crown you know eternity in his rest we place a greater value on that eternal reward than on the temporary pleasures of the new 2023 ford bronco and come on down and you get a car and you get a car and you get a car you know we place a greater reward on what god offers us than what the world has to offer I mean, can you imagine, like, back in 1960, you know what I'm saying, somebody did some crazy stuff that just didn't please God to get something, you know what I'm saying, that was brand new for that year. You know, somebody probably killed somebody, you know, to get something that has no value today. That's happening right now today. Like, we're turning our back on our family and loved ones. We're, you know, willing to, you know, uh, uh, talk bad and, you know, spread rumors and lies and, you know, do all kinds of, you know, just, like, totally ungodly things for worldly possessions, you know, for attention from, you know what I'm saying, uh, the cool kids you know, from praise from our boss. Hey, you know what, I figured out how to cheat the government out of extra, you know, $2 billion, so, you know, we ain't gotta pay these taxes. Oh, good job, you get a promotion, you know? But is that really pleasing to God? You know, we can make these type of decisions, you know, and you kinda plug in, you know, your situation in life. You know, it'll, it'll bring us a little recognition from man It'll bring us a little, you know what I'm saying, out of boy from the boss. It'll, you know what I'm saying, gain us favor with the cool kids at school. But is it pleasing to God? What does that do for your witness? You know, what does that do for the next time you try and tell somebody about Christ? Is it worth it? Is it really worth it? 
The Bible, uh, James says in verse 8, he says, draw near to God. I love this verse right here. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What James is saying, that for every step we, draw, we uh, take to get closer to God, God takes that same step to get closer to us. He's willing to meet us halfway. We ain't got to have it all figured out. We ain't got to like say, oh, okay, you know what? I'm ready to, you know, be a Christian. I'm ready to live a certain way. You know, I'm ready to act a certain way. It ain't about all of that. What God is saying is he's ready to have a relationship with you whenever you're ready to have a relationship with him. God's not saying that, hey, you got to change who you are. He ain't saying that you, nowhere in here does it say any of that. You got to like act a certain way, dress a certain way, you know what I'm saying, think a certain way. None of that. God just says, hey, come on. Come on. Let's have a relationship. You know, I want to be your friend, you know, as far as Jesus goes. God says, I want to be your father. Jesus says, I want to be your friend. Let's have a relationship, you know. Let, let's the two of us get to uh, know one another better and build a bond and, you know, so forth. Because what happens is a relationship, when you have a relationship with somebody, you know, uh, that turns you into love. The longer and longer you have a relationship with somebody, the more in love you get with that person. And there's, you know... Uh, and so that's what God wants. He wants to have a relationship because it develops love. And love develops obedience. You know? I can be obedient to my wife because I love her. We have been together like over 25 plus years. Like, that's a long time. You know? So I'm not like I, I told you guys last week. I'm not looking for the shortcuts of what I can and can't do. What I'm doing is I'm looking at how I can please my wife. What's going to make her happy? And so we don't have to worry about like, oh, am I following every rule? You know, uh, am I following all the laws? Am I doing this the right way? God's like, I'm not worried about that. He said, let's have a relationship. You know, we can, we can talk about all that other stuff at some other time. But right now, let's just have a relationship. God wants to have a relationship with us. So draw near to God, and he's going to draw near to us. I want a couple more things. I'm going to let you guys out of here. He says, uh, we'll always, um, well, I want to tell you guys, we'll always be tempted by the temporary. We'll be tempted to please our flesh. That's just the way uh, the world is. We're going to be tempted to, to do things that we ought not to do. Um, First Peter, this is, you know, you keep going past James, you know, towards the back. You're going to run right into First Peter, right after James. And um, chapter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him, because he cares about you. That's a wonderful promise. Everything that burdens us and weighs us down, God says, listen, bring it to me. Leave it here. I'm going to take care of that. He says, cast your cares on him because he cares about you. Verse 8, be sober-minded and alert. Your adversary, your adversary, your enemy, your foe, your nemesis, the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. 
resist him firm in the faith knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world listen what we go through we ain't going through it by ourselves it's not unique to us no matter what situation we find ourselves in it is not unique to us there's somebody else out there suffering in the same way there's somebody else going through that same thing and so that's the beauty of having a congregation we can rely on one another you know we can lean on one another that's the beauty of the church but the thing is the devil's out there uh let's go back to um to eight he says your adversary the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour so how does the devil devour us by tempting us to do things that we ought not be doing so he puts little enticing things in front of us you know he kind of like brings up you know to memorance like you know these nostalgic mom mem uh, moments in our past where it was like oh yeah you know what i did really enjoy that but i'm gonna tell you right now the mind you know it's tricking you <laughs> you know what i'm saying because it's never like what we remember you know what i'm saying nostalgia those days are gone for a reason and usually when we go back you know to the vomit as the bible says you know it's never as tasty it's never as you know appeasing once we get there you know so don't turn back to stuff you've already left behind you know but we're so if you we kind of get that part like all right i'm not going to turn back into these nostalgic days and go back to seeing that i didn't left behind what the devil then now does is he tempts you with a new design but we have to learn to resist that there's always going to be you know temptations of, of, of temporary uh, devices to please our, uh, our, our flesh, but we have to learn to resist them. We can rely on the Holy Spirit to resist the devil. So when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we get indwelled with the Holy Spirit. He comes in and, and lives with us. And he can empower us. He will empower us to resist these temporary temptations from the devil. These temporary temptations, you know, to please our flesh. The Holy Spirit has more than enough power to resist the enemy. So, I want to talk with you guys, and I'm wrapping up right here. I want to talk with you guys about um, drawing near to God, because this is what it's all about is in the end is us resisting the enemy and getting closer to God and James gives us five ways that we can move closer to God or you can move closer to God if you feel like you're far away from him let's you know begin to uh, take steps towards him number one humble yourself before God you know you know let go of all these 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 puffed up attitudes and I don't need him and I can do this and I can do that we can't do anything without God Two, resist the devil. You know, there's going to be temptations to do certain things in your life. And I don't know what type of things tempt you. We're all going to have different things in our lives that tempt us. But we have to learn how to resist the devil. Resist those temporary temptations to say, hey, I'm going to do this to please my flesh. You know, I really enjoy this, you know, so I'm going to do it. You know, whatever that is, X, Y, Z, you know what I'm saying? If it is a hindrance between you and your relationship with God, whatever you're doing that, like, gets in the way of that, then that's something that needs to, like, 
get X'd out because the devil, whether it's a sin or not, he's going to use it to uh, come in between your relationship with God. So whatever it is, if it's getting in the way, being like, hey, you know what? I got to X this out because it's not good for my eternal. You know, yeah, it's good for the temporary. You know, it's pleasing to the flesh and it, you know, makes me feel a little bit good right now. But what about the end game? What, what, is that, what does it do for that? You know, we have to be active in our resistance against the devil. Number three, wash your hands and purify your heart. In other words, you know, we got to come to God and understand that we are nothing, as Sister Katrina was saying, more than filthy rags before him. And it's only by the blood of Jesus that can cleanse us. You know, so we have to be willing to accept him as our Lord and Savior, you know, and be cleansed by that blood. Number uh, four, let there be sorrow and deep grief for your sins. In other words, it ain't nothing wrong with feeling bad about, you know, saying sinning. You know, because like I was telling you guys, we sin against God, we trespass against man. You know, so we ought to feel bad. We ought to have sorrow and grief for our sins, you know, and God honors that. He's like, you know what? He's, they're being, he or she are being genuine about, you know, not wanting to do that anymore because they feel bad about it. You know, now you can fool yourself, but you can't fool God, you know, and we can sit there and say like, oh yeah, you know, I feel bad about it, but then keep doing it over and over and over again. We're showing that, you know what? I really don't feel all that bad about it. Number five, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up again. Now, this time, the first one, he said, humble yourself before God. This one is the Lord. We're talking about Jesus Christ. You know, again, make him Lord and Savior of your life. And God will lift you up. Quit trying to elevate yourself. Because all you're doing is trying to get man's approval. You know, I want to lift myself up in front of who? In front of other people? What, what does that do for you? What does that do for us? I want to finish reading um, a little bit of uh, chapter four here. All right. So, and this is kind of that key part in uh, James chapter four. And um, I'm going to um, read this uh, at ver starting at verse seven. All right. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned, turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. This is all of those five things I just got through talking to you guys about. This is what God is looking for from us. You know, a humble and contrite heart. We're going to go through some things. We're going to be tempted to do things that we know because the Holy Spirit convicts us. We may call it our conscience or whatever else, but the Holy Spirit convicts us when we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing. And we have to answer to that. We have to say, you know what? No, I'm not gonna do this. You know, it's not, it's not right. And it gets easier over time. It's not always an easy thing to do to resist. But what war is? We're in the resistance. 
We're part of the resistance. We signed up for the resistance, you know, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our, as our Lord and Savior. That's the battle we're in. You know, we're fighting an active campaign of resistance against the enemy. But like any soldier, the longer you stay on the battlefield, the more adept you get to fight in the war. You become more skilled. As um, uh, my son was saying yesterday, you know, uh, he was talking about battle or war. Uh, what was it? Battle awareness and and uh, <laughs> and leveling up and all of this stuff. Kids are are amazing. But you know, it's it's true. You know, we we gain battle. Uh, Say it again, is it battle awareness? IQ, uh, IQ powers? Okay, something, I, I, I'm gonna have a deeper conversation with him about that, but I think it, it's relevant to battle IQ and awareness, amen. And so that's what we need to develop. Listen, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have not come to a point where you're willing to resist the devil, resist the, the, the temptations of the world. I offer Christ to you right now. We have a choice every single day to, you know, live for, for God, you know, save up uh, and store uh, treasures uh, in heaven where they don't rust and, and fade away and get prepared for uh, you know, the eternal, or we can continue to prepare for a tomorrow that's not guaranteed to us. Those are our choices. Prepare for the eternal or prepare for a tomorrow that's not guaranteed. And if when we accept Christ, we begin to prepare for the eternal. And so uh, I offer Christ to anyone who hasn't accepted him as Lord and Savior. And, I, uh, and even if you're not ready to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, I offer you uh, the opportunity to come and join us uh, during Bible study or to reach out to us with your questions and uh, that you may have so that you can get a greater understanding of how much God really does love you and how much he wants to save you uh, from an eternal uh, exist existence of destruction. You know, and so uh, you can reach us by uh, social media, telephone, email, uh, snail mail. We're available uh, many different ways to um, get you uh, to a point where we can introduce you to Christ and begin to have a relationship uh, that's based on love. And so I pray that everyone that uh, is here today and joining us online that you were encouraged uh, by today's message and that it may challenge you in some way to make a, uh, even a small change you know because every little bit uh, you know goes a long way so um, that's my message for today may God bless you may God keep you and may you always 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 be encouraged in Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior thank you amen